0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Scorebox. This Friday morning, we have a rebound in U.S. markets led by tech and energy stocks as WTI surges more than 20% in its best day ever. But the Dow is still on pace for its worst weekly performance since 2008. The U.S. dollar retreats but stays on course for its biggest weekly gain since the financial crisis. The Fed has extended its swap lines to nine additional central banks, to give them greater access to the dollar.
1: President Trump says the government could take stakes in troubled corporates in a radical move not seen in the U.S. since the auto industry bailout. The coronavirus death toll in Italy surpasses that of China, as fatalities in the hardest-hit European country rise by 427 in 24 hours.
2: The world's gone crazy, you cut rates now, and now the currency rallies on the back of it. Yes, the Bank of England has helped sterling rise of 35-year lows with a rate cut and bond buying plan, whilst the government prepares to outline more extreme rescue measures for business.
0: My message to, to business is, uh, the, the one I gave just now, stand by your employees, uh, because we're going to stand
2: by you, and we're going to stand by the workers of this country.
0: So welcome back, everybody. What a remarkable week it's been. It's one that uh, I don't think a few in the market will forget very quickly. So let's just spend a little bit of time here, Karen and myself, painting you a picture of the wall and the week that we've had so far. So, this is how it beds down. As far as the FTSE 100 uh, performance, we are still above this uh, important 5,000 level. But as you can see, uh, we've lost uh, 4%, the DAX down 6.7%, and the CAC 40 shedding nearly 6.4%. In terms of the US market performance, it's been a real whipsaw roller coaster ride across the week with the Dow ending on that 20,000 level. Again, another important psychological level for markets. The S&P off 11% and the NASDAQ down 9.2%. A little bit of a rebound on the technology stocks. Let's just show you exactly uh, what we've seen in that overnight session. Uh, Facebook, as you can see, rebounding a little bit, 4%. uh, Netflix up. Five percent, not, um, Uh, The the news overnight uh, that they were going to actually uh, uh, reduce the quality uh, a little bit of the streaming service in Europe for the next 30 days, not taking any gloss off that rebound, as you can see, up 5.2 percent here. And the oil companies also getting a a bounce back after being beaten down in the uh, crosswinds of not only uh, what's happening with coronavirus, fears around the ultimate demand picture. But of course, these questions around oversupply as we continue to see the Saudis and the Russians trade barbs about how much oil is actually going to find its way onto the markets. So what does that mean in terms of the direction of travel for WTI? Well, I think the chart is very clear. It gives you a good picture of how quickly through the week we've continued to see the oil price drop. But as uh, all Um, Oil specialists will tell you the cure for low prices is low prices. Doesn't mean we're necessarily at the bottom yet on this chart, but we did get this bounce yesterday. And I think some of that was to do with just where we've come on prices. So the answer to low prices is low prices. But there's also the issue, of course, of this coordinated response we're now seeing from governments and central banks. And just to round out the picture for you on energy, the Brent crude quote at the moment uh, up. 2%. 2%. Karen?
3: Now,
1: let me connect the docs over to the foreign exchange market because as you've seen steep selling in quarters of the market, particularly oil this week, you've seen a liquidation of positions and that has meant more thirst for dollar and dollar has certainly been king this week. You're seeing a slight reversal but again, take a look at these levels as you see a morning, a red chip uh, where we're falling by eight-tenths of a percent. We are at the 101.97 handle, just shy of 102, which shows you how quickly we have marched higher on the US dollar trade this week and you can see a longer term View. That's been a move of 4.6% over the course of the week. The casualties, the euro has been one that has fallen fairly steeply to the 107.31 handle that it's hit, uh, 3.3% decline over the course of the week. That is the steepest fall since mid 2015. The other big one, sterling of the major currencies, the drop right back to levels that we've not seen since about 1985, a hefty fall of more than 5% over the course of this week. But extraordinary action, of course, coming into the mix from the Fed with a there is different emergency measures to the ECB coming up with another 750 billion in bond purchases and to the Bank of England yesterday with the more QE and a move lower in rates yet again. So all these have an impact on the dollar. Let me take you to yields. You've seen a fairly significant move in yields as well. Take a look at bonds. We have moved to the lower levels of the, the minus rate. Minus 0.24 is where we are. We were much deeper into negative territory on this bond yield. So we have lifted on the yield but there's been a lifting of yields elsewhere and in the united states don't forget we were below 0.70 in the last few sessions we've now climbed all the way to 1.15 and this is alarming for a lot of investors As you see, a market sell-off money should flow into U.S. Treasuries, which should drag that yield lower, not higher. But the fact is that a lot of people have been liquidating some of these U.S. Treasury positions, trying to get their hands on cash. And that has driven up the yields that you're seeing. So the dislocation on markets, well and truly noted because of what you're seeing through that U.S. safe haven market in particular, but other key safe havens, bonds, gilts. And also JGBs closely watched for those same strains. Let's take a look at what we're seeing on some of those Asian markets and what we've got uh, more swap lines that the Fed has established across to some of these key markets as well. Green is coming back on the boards. These investors taking heart too from all the central bank activity. News that there could be more stimulus coming from the Chinese as well. Are we back to talking about 2008-style stimulus from the Chinese at this point? Four tenths higher for the Shanghai Composite. Gains of 28 for the Hong Kong market. Don't forget there's been a very weak trading pattern for Hong Kong stocks this week. Cosby is uh, very strong, up 5-plus percent. The opening calls in Europe, but let's take a look how we're setting up for the trading session. It has been a grim week in Europe. Across the course of the week, the stock share of 600 has dropped about 3.8%. It's been uh, slightly deeper in other key markets. For instance, Germany's lost about 6.7% for the week, a little bit less than that for the French market. So, the mild levels you're seeing on the chart suggest a slight repositioning to the upside, but by no means clawing back the losses we've had this week. US futures. Here's how we perched. Uh, It's going to be very relevant for psychology for this session. In the green, that is good news for investors looking for some stability, given we've seen limit down on these boards about this time of day, a number of sessions this week.
0: What's been interesting, Karen, I think, is how the market moves have exposed the strains in the financial system. And uh, students of the euro-dollar system, that is the dollars that sit outside the United States, have understood for some time that risks have been built up by increases in external dollar debt liabilities. Colin Asher joins us now, senior economist for Mizuho. We also have Steve with us from the Bank of England. And Colin, I want to go in on this because we have seen now the Federal Reserve respond with these additional swap lines to make dollars available to other central banks around the world. How important is this, do you think, on, one, putting a cap on the level for the dollar against other currencies, but two, removing that pressure that we see on rates in other countries as investors have sold domestic assets to buy dollars to find security.
4: Yeah, I think you're right to identify that the dollar funding is the be all and end all for markets this week. I mean, that's the thing I think that the central banks are most focused on. Um, And I think the swap lines for, you know, extending the swap lines beyond the five central banks that they initially had in place is is an excellent move. But I think that, you know, there there still remains that demand for dollar liquidity. It's still uh, visible in the basis swaps. Um, And definitely, um, you know, I I think we're, I I feel we're in sort of that that first big battle of the movie. All the cavalry has come in, uh, the two sides have engaged, and we're not really sure which way the battle is going to go. I think the central banks have done an excellent job this week. They've really bought their... uh, uh they've bought everything we've seen you know the unusual central banks has been an announcement from the fed every day the bank of england's gone the rba has gone um you know but it's still unclear in funding markets if, if their actions are going to be sufficient
0: well, let me ask you, um, we're seeing a bounce in all sorts of asset classes uh, this morning, in part led by the additional announcements of stimulus that we've seen from the ECB, the cut in rates from the Bank of England, and uh, uh, the additional money made available to purchase both uh, sovereign and corporate debt at this point. Is this bounce for real? What's your opinion? Have we found a bottom for many of these asset classes now, or do you think this is a temporary ledge?
4: Uh, I think i 'd probably go with the latter view i mean I, I, the central banks are doing a good job. the fiscal authorities are doing a good job, but unfortunately, the virus just keeps coming i mean that that is the that is the problem If you look at the if you look think back to the beginning of the week we had that shocking china data um, and in the subsequent to that, almost everyone and their dog has taken a massive lump out of their china GDP forecasts, and then the virus you know the virus the epicenter of the virus this week has really spread into Europe. It's a simple read across from shut China down, GDP goes down massively, shut Europe down, European GDP goes down massively. And I think that's the sort of thing just towards the back end of this week, we're starting to see very, very negative Q1 slash uh, Q2 GDP forecasts come out, you know, minus down four, minus down six uh, for the quarter. And these are huge chunks of GDP. So no wonder the, uh, the firefighters are on deck. You know, these are very, they're a very substantial slowdown. And, um, you know, there's still a significant... I think this week we've really had a lot more clarity on the depth of the slowdown, but there's still a lot of uh, uncertainty with regards to the duration of the slowdown. And if it's a long one, then markets will go down longer, further.
2: Co- Colin, I appreciate everything you've said, and it's really good to uh, see you on Scorebox today as well. Look, look, this is a dual-fold crisis, as you've very graphically shown. It's the pandemic crisis and an economic crisis. If... And, and this is a very optimistic point of view, that the point of crisis for the UK can be passed or reached within the next 12 weeks. And those are the words pretty much that the prime minister is, is, is hoping to see. Uh, then it becomes more about the economic crisis rather than this dual crisis as well. Does your rush for US dollar and lack of willingness to buy anything else, does that change when this becomes more of an economic crisis and less of a pandemic crisis? If indeed, as is hoped, that is the evolution.
4: Yeah, I think that in the short term, you know, the funding pressures need to go. And once the funding pressures go, I think then, then the huge demand for dollars go. Um, and then I think uh, then we can start looking looking for a bottom. But I, I think the the problem is uh, if, if, the you know, with the, with the slowdown economic activity, it's not just the liquidity function that's going to sl- slide more into the credit side of the economy. What, what are the measures the government's going to come up with? There are some sectors of the economy which we're going to be, you know, I don't know, wiped out is probably, probably an exaggeration, but require very significant government support. In what f- form of that is that support going to come? Um, will there be nationalizations of certain industry? Or will the government just offer credit support? Uh, and these are the sort of like the nitty-gritty and the details that will make a difference.
1: Colin, I want to spend a little bit more time on the recession we could be witnessing because there is a realisation across economists that the very long record expansion that we've enjoyed has now come to an end. It'll be this quarter where we see a conclusion to that expansion. Just give us a sense of what sort of numbers we're going to be witnessing in terms of the depth of that fallout and how that compares to other crises we've gone through.
4: Uh, I was just looking at um, it's very rare for global GDP to shrink. Um, uh, if you think back only, um, only a week ago, I think the, um, the IMF revised down its, its forecast and said that growth is actually going to shrink, uh, be, be slightly lower than it was the previous year. I think that forecast for, for global growth is rapidly approaching zero.
0: We've got to wrap up. Colin, thanks so much for your time this morning. Colin Asher, Senior Economist at Mizuho. Uh, moving on, the Bank of England then announcing a second emergency rate cut in over a week as it looks to ease concerns over the virus outbreak. The uh, BOE policymakers voted to lower the main bank rate, to an all-time low of 0.1%. The central bank has also increased its bond purchases by £200 billion, the Bank of England decision, helping push sterling higher after the currency hit its lowest level since 1985. Uh, UK Chancellor of the Exchequer Rishi Sunak is set to unveil a massive new rescue package aimed at helping UK companies weather the impact of the coronavirus outbreak. There is a rich history, Steve, of central bankers coming into the job just into the teeth of a financial crisis. And I think Andrew Bailey is getting a baptism of fire.
2: Oh, yes, indeed, Jeff. Good morning to you and good morning, Karen. I miss you both very much. Uh, but yes, absolutely. And I think what is quite extraordinary is, of course, Andrew Bailey has been around long enough as a regulator to know one or two things about the great financial crisis as well. But look, let's go into this a little bit. I was due to be at Downing Street today. And then the team said, well, should we go to the Bank of England? And I was thinking, I don't know where to be because whether it's the fiscal response, which is coming on an almost daily basis, or, or the monetary response. So we decided to come down here because in our little tour this week, we haven't been down back to the city. City as well, so let me just show you. I'm at Threadneedle Street, the Bank of England behind me. Did you have a look at that one, cameraman. It's quite magnificent. There you go. Thank you. I say, cameraman, it's Mike, my best mate on the road always. Uh, no, Look, this is the fact. The fact I mean, we have lowest rates now in 326 years at the Bank of England, 0.1%. Hang on a second. Didn't we just have a rate cut? Yes, we did. We had one last week, uh, down to 0.251% from 0.75. The thinking from the aforementioned Andrew Bailey is, what's the point in waiting? We know the devastating data's there. Uh, let Let's just get it all out there. Measures to contain COVID-19, he says, will result in an economic shock that is sharp and large, uh, but could be temporary. Now, that is interesting because I think that's part of the coordinated line we're getting from the politicians as well, because Boris Johnson yesterday, I think very bravely, some might say it was foolhardy, trying to put a timescale on peak uh, coronavirus crisis here in the UK. Let's listen to the timescale he mentioned. We
0: can turn the tide within the next 12 weeks. And I'm absolutely confident that we can send a coronavirus packing in this country, but only if we take the steps, we all take the steps that we have outlined. And that is vital because that is how we're going to reduce the peak. And once we've achieved that, and I think that uh,
2: we will. We've all come to rely on these uh, daily briefings. They are quite fascinating. The CMO, the Chief Medical Officer, Mr. Whitty, as well, talking about the need to increase National Health Service beds. Um, There's real bottlenecks over respiratory facilities as well, so they need that as well. Pressure on London hospitals, it's going to go up. That's what the CMO said yesterday. This is the UK death toll, Uh, went up by 29 to 137. But of course, we saw action from the Bank of England, and we could well see action uh, from the Chancellor again today. So let me just read. Cap It was only just over a week ago that he talked in the budget of a £30 billion package. Then this week, we had a £350 billion package from, again, a new chancellor to go along with that new Bank of England governor. Now, extraordinary. They talked to the FSB yesterday, the Federation of Small Businesses, the CBI, the TUC, the Trade Union Congress, and agreed much more is necessary for workers because it's all very well, Rishi Sunak, throwing money and loans at companies. But if they've got no demand, uh, what is the point in taking on those extra loans? to be paid back in another day. They need help here and now. And so extraordinary. uh, Potentially talking about tax cuts. Wage subsidies uh, could be announced as early as today. Perhaps tax, and this is one idea, up to 60% of the average national wage could be subsidised in the very short term by the UK government. Uh, And I think someone said yesterday, it was Greg Clark on one of the big Treasury committees. Greg Clark, the former business secretary, talking about reversing PAYE. Now, this is the pay-as-you-earn Um, tax system in the UK. So you immediately pay tax as you get paid by your employer. Reversing that so you get tax back. Isn't that an extraordinary idea as well? So quite extraordinary there, our idea coming uh, from the government. But uh, Bank of England and Boris Johnson pledging to stand by the workers of this country. And I'll just reiterate that ILO figure that was mentioned uh, earlier in the week, the International Labour Organization talking about their mean estimate for this, if it goes as badly as it could, could be 25 million jobs lost. Now, Karen, Jeff, you know, I've been on my travels and, you know, I love a bit of history as well. So what I'm going to do is a little bit of off piece and a little bit of a treat for our viewers as well, because I like showing them the place where I was born, the country and the town that I adore. So here we go. This, as I mentioned, is the Bank of England. This, the one with the medium height building behind, is the old stock exchange. That was the original site of the London Stock Exchange here uh, in London as well before it moved to Paternoster Square, the swanky offices right near you as well. That's where I cut my teeth because everyone thinks that floor trading finished in 1986. It didn't. Us ladies and gentlemen of the London traded Option Market, we were still there till around about 1990. But we were joined in 1990 by the, the inhabitants of this building. This is the Royal Exchange. It's beautiful. Now, the Life Market was based there. The Elton was there. Then we merged and we all went down to swanky new offices in Cannon Street as well. So then you've had the Bank of England, you've got the Stock Exchange, you've got the Royal Exchange, and Jeff, you know we were talking about national heroes. We need national heroes. I gave you Nelson yesterday. I've gone a step further. This it's the back end of Wellington. <laughs> okay. Admittedly, uh, it's not the right end. But this is Wellington, of course, aided by the Prussians, otherwise known as the Germans. Blucher uh, over at uh, Waterloo. That is the man who defeated Napoleon's hordes. And then I'm going to come down here to Bank Circus. Come on, Mike. We can do this. This... Gorgeous building here uh, is the Mansion House. This is where, of course, the Lord Mayor holds those swanky dinners. I'm sure Jeff's been there in white tie, Karen, as well. But quite close to there. And here's one for Karen. You've got number one Lombard and you've got the Ned round the corner. A couple of drinking holes, I think, of the young Karen show. Back to you all.
1: That's just taunting us now, though, isn't it? Because none of these are open (laughs) now. Even those historic (laughs) buildings that you referenced, they're all being closed.
2: Well, closed temporarily, should we say a temporary suspension of service, come on. But actually, what is interesting, I'll, t- I'll tell you something else as well, and this is a look at look at this amazing area here. This is Bank Circus, one of the busiest areas it used to be for transportation in London. You're saying, oh my goodness me, it's so quiet. It's so quiet because nobody's coming into London. Well, that may be part of it, but the real reason it's quiet is because Sadiq Khan banned private cars from using this so we've all been shoved onto the side streets as well A a bit of slight of hand there perhaps from Khan, but maybe now's not the time to bring up that one anyway and I thought you weren't standing on a
0: soapbox there I thought you were uh, getting the opportunity to move around but I as a as a another fellow driver in of a private vehicle into the centre of London uh, I can't but agree with you um you are absolutely <laughs> right i love the back end of wellington as well that was something napoleon would have liked to have oh, seen give me the it? front
2: end come on hang on can we give him the front end let's <laughs> go back a little bit mike hang on here. oh that's his horse we've just got his horse <laughs> oh God, what have we
1: come to no one's traveling we're now down to travel box instead of squawk box but steve i think everyone's appreciated uh, we've just effectively torched all travel for, for the next couple of months haven't we We're going to press on, Steve. We'll come out to you a little bit later on. And let's talk about what the United States has been up to as President Trump has said he would support taking equity stakes in companies that receive coronavirus aid. The U.S. leader did not name names, but has previously said he wants to help the airline, auto, cruise and hotel industries. When asked if he would support a ban on buybacks and bonuses for companies that receive the aid, he replied that such restrictions, quote, would be okay with me.
0: President Trump has cancelled a planned G7 conference at Camp David in June due to concerns over the spread of the virus. The White House says the summit will now be held via video teleconference instead, adding Trump will continue to speak with leaders from these countries in April and May. Uh, Still to come on the programme then, Italy suffers a sharp rise in fatalities, taking its death toll above China's. We will take you live to Milan for an update after this.
1: Italy is now the world's deadliest centre of the coronavirus outbreak. 427 new fatalities brought the total number of virus-related deaths in Italy to 3,405, surpassing the death toll in China. In response, Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte said he will extend the nationwide lockdown past its March 25th deadline and has called on the EU to launch an expansive rescue fund to help this strained economy. Let's get out to Claudio Pensotti from Class CNBC for more live from Milan. Claudio, the last couple of times we caught up with you, you have been out and about, but just tell us how the restrictions are now impacting day-to-day lives there in Italy as we see that death toll rise.
3: Well, first of all, the death toll, 427 new uh, deaths announced just in the last 24 hours. I mean, that's like a shocking number, and it does bring that total, as you said, uh, to a number that is uh, over the uh, number of deaths in China. So this is quite a shock for Italians, and it certainly will help to try and keep some of the people that are still out on the streets in their homes. Uh, What's happening, of course, is that companies and production facilities are having to implement ever more stringent rules uh, to allow their facilities to keep functioning. So you have to distance people in the offices. You have to uh, guarantee different entrances for different parts of uh, of, uh, factories. And so all of this, of course, is making it so that production is actually slowing down. Um, Also because workers are asking for more uh, safety because not all the companies, according to some of the workers, are actually applying all of the requirements or that they're not being careful enough. And of course, as people come out with um, confirmed uh, coronavirus infection, offices and production facilities have to uh, quarantine all of their workers that had anything to do with these people. So clearly things are slowing down inevitably because of the way that the numbers are increasing. But Giuseppe Conte did make an announcement that he does think that he may need to uh, extend these measures, these very strict measures beyond the first date that was announced, which was March 25th, and also did make comments about the fact that they may need to make more stringent measures So make it to the point where you can no longer leave your house. Of course, this would be very difficult. So I think they're hoping that this kind of fear that they're putting into the Italians' minds will help them stay home more than they have so far. But they are overall cooperating. Overall, it is a strong, disciplined, uh, uh, united front that Italians are putting out there. Uh, but, you know, there may be a need for stronger measures, in fact. Right. Claudia, I just wanted to get into
1: the people that have been affected so far by coronavirus because here in the UK, we're still very early doors. And what we're hearing is if you have a problem, call emergency services. But you sort of get the sense it's the older people, the the elderly, who are going to need those services most. This changed uh, yesterday. And we saw some of the comments that came out of France that about 50% of patients in ICUs are under 60 years of age. What are you hearing from friends and family about the requirements for some help from hospitals? to have some sort of intervention?
3: All right. Well, Karen, um, this is, of course, my personal experience. What I can tell you is we are, of course, in Lombardy, so it is the, you know, the, the, the region with the highest number of cases. So we are the ones who are in the most difficult position and uh, medical um, staff are trying to respond to the needs. So I can tell you what's going on here. It is difficult to get a test. Uh, if you are sick, and I have friends who are sick and obviously have the fever and the cough, uh, they call the number that you are requested to call. they uh, follow them but they don't immediately go out to test them because they just assume that they have the virus and tell them to stay isolated from the rest of their families. Once uh, you do go you know have these symptoms for a protected amount of time I can speak of friends that have been sick for 10 days for 14 days finally getting, Uh, you know, more uh, medical attention, and some of them having to now be in hospital with oxygen. Uh, Some are intubated. So, And these are people that that I know. These are people that are in our age group, uh, you know, the age group you were mentioning, between 50 and 60. So this is not, as we initially even in Italy perceived, a virus that affects severely only the elderly. It's just not the case. And I can say that because I am living it uh, with people that I know so uh, it is and in the best case scenario where you are sick at home or you go into hospital and they send you home because you don't need the oxygen uh, you are having to you know battle with fever and um, very difficult conditions for many weeks so this is uh, definitely more serious uh, than we would have initially thought.